Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we're going to have a very interesting show today, and I know it's one that a lot of people are interested in, and that is communicating with the deceased loved ones through uh, one of your five senses. Uh, We were just at Helping Parents Heal, and uh, we found uh, a lot of parents have had experiences, haven't they, Heidi? Absolutely. In fact, the founder, Elizabeth Boisson, said that when her son died, she felt his arms around her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's going to be a really interesting show. And the guest we have on today is Dr. Julie Strassman. And she is a spiritual counselor and bereavement coordinator with Bethesda Hospice Care. She's written her, do- her doctoral dissertation on this. And she has a doctorate of ministry from Eden Theological Seminary. So welcome to our show, Julie. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's great to have you on. And um, how did you get into dealing with the senses and um, talk about that a little bit? Sure. So when I first started working in hospice, I was leading grief support groups and people started sharing these experiences that they had. Uh, Some people just have sort of a, a general sense that their loved one is present, but some people actually have Um, sensory experiences where they'll see their loved one or they'll hear their voice or they'll feel their touch. Um, And a lot of times, you know, any of these experiences can be very meaningful, but something that comes through one of the senses, something that's not just a dream or a general sense of presence um, can be very impactful. People feel them more deeply in some ways. I've heard, uh, you know, people talk about, I remember one specifically guy talking about cigar smoke. Mm. His dad used to. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, and he would have that mm-hmm. have that sense coming through. Yeah, I was I was thinking that too, Mom. My husband often smells Old Spice, and that's what his father wore all the time. That cologne. This is kind of a um, an edgy world that you're mm-hmm. talking about right now, and people don't uh, sometimes get the support that they want in mentioning it, or they're afraid to mention it. What do you suggest to people who are watching the show today? They've had an experience. How do they deal with it? What do you recommend? Sure. Well, the first thing is to to realize that you're not alone. These are actually surprisingly common experiences. People don't necessarily talk about them openly, but it's amazing how many people have actually experienced them. So the first thing is just to realize that this is not strange, really. It's not that unusual. Um, And the next thing is to realize that once you start to talk about it, many more people are accepting of these experiences than you might uh, actually realize. Um, So I think it's it's important to find people that you can openly talk to about this. And that was actually really a a big focus of my research um, was, you know, how do how do pastors, for example, respond when people come Mm -hmm. to them? you know, with these experiences. So finding someone that you can trust, that you can talk to about these experiences is also important. So, so Julie, in looking at how pastors respond, were there any pastors that you heard about that responded in a negative way or said, this isn't your imagination or this isn't possible? There were a couple. Um, and, I, and I think mostly it's just because, 
you know, again, these, this, these experiences um, traditionally in psychology, especially for the last hundred years or so, have been seen as hallucinations or mm -hmm. delusions. Um, but, you know, especially when we talk about, um, you know, keeping the connections with our loved ones, when we talk about continued bonds, people are starting to recognize that not only are these experiences very common, but for many people, they can be very healthy as well. So most of the pastors that I spoke with were actually very open to talking about these experiences. Mm -hmm. Did you find that the pastors, some of them uh, had their own experiences that they brought up? They did. Um, actually, a majority of the pastors that I interviewed had had their own experiences, which, you know, may have been one reason why they themselves were open to talking about this. But for a lot of people, these are spiritual experiences. Are there ways to get more of these experiences? What if I'm listening and I'm like, okay, I'm newly bereaved and I want to have some of this, but I've never had it. Mm. You know, that's a really good question. So the experiences that I studied were spontaneous experiences that people didn't actually go looking for them. Mm -hmm. um, but there is some research that um, talks about the kind of person that's more most likely to have these types of experiences. Mm -hmm. um, actually, people of faith. Um, are mm -hmm. tend to be more likely to have these experiences. So, you know, one thing you can do is you can tap into your own faith tradition um, and uh, being open to spirituality does seem to correlate with having these experiences. Mm. You know, talking about tapping into your own faith experience. Now that's kind of interesting. There are some people who have had faith and then since a childhood, and then lose faith. I know you're a pastor also. What do you suggest to people as far as finding their faith again? Hmm. You know, I think that's such a, a deep and personal topic, honestly. You know, I find a lot of people who, you know, when they lose a loved one, um, they find a lot of comfort in going back to the traditions of their earlier days. And sometimes that can be sparked by some of the funeral traditions, you know, that we do. A lot of times when people have a memorial service, they'll include, you know, some, uh, some spiritual tradition. So I think that can be a good place to reconnect. Um, you know, so many people, um, even if they're still struggling with the belief side of faith, find the ritual side of faith to be very comforting. So going back to maybe some of the prayers or the music that was important to you um, can be kind of a, a gateway to finding that again. And then uh, to segue from that, you would be more like, or there might be a more of a possibility of having one of these sensory experiences mm -hmm. if there you went back. Be. There could, there could be again there there are some studies that do suggest that that people who are more um spiritually connected do tend to have more of these experiences mm -hmm. you know as we move away from faith uh one of the things that i think is interesting is that faith traditions do have the opportunity to have these uh kind of spiritual things because mm -hmm. many of them prayer you know the connection uh, asking god i mean there are all sorts of things that would move you into those senses mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. and i think the the like we're all saying the more open we are to these things the more that i think that we'll recognize when we have them mm -hmm. because there's things that happen that we can kind of just ignore mm -hmm. or brush off or not pay attention to Mm -hmm. which are connections with like those that have that have died 
-hmm. Well, and there's also a lot to suggest that people who are able to make sense of these experiences mm -hmm. through um, an existing cultural framework, whether that's a faith tradition or something that your culture or your family believes, the more you're able to really integrate these experiences into that existing framework, um, the better off you'll be. You know, people experience spiritual growth. They experience, um, you know, better outcomes in their grief when they're able to see these experiences through their own spiritual framework. And see them in a positive way rather than a pathological way. Were there any cultures that you saw that, that were more apt to embrace, you know, connecting with the five senses and things happening? Mm. Well, there's, there's been a lot of cross-cultural research done on this. Um, so, you know, for example, there have been studies done in Japan that show that just enormous numbers of uh, Japanese widows have these experiences. Mm -hmm. um, I think any culture really that has an openness to mm -hmm. connecting with the deceased um, is more likely to have these experiences and more likely to be able to make sense of them in a healthy way. Well, and you know what's interesting? Children are so open. And they don't have these preconceived ideas of what's right and wrong and what's normal and not normal. And you hear kids. I remember one time when my, my father-in-law died and my son said, you know, grandpa comes and watches me when mm -hmm. I play. He was four years old, mm -hmm. five years, you know, grandpa comes and watches me when I play at night in my bedroom. And I thought that's interesting. And who's to know that it's not true, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories uh, exactly like that. And, and yes, there, there could be something to that idea of, of openness. Um, mm -hmm. You know, again, I think so many people, when they have these experiences, a lot of times, initially, they might be confused by them. Um, there might be a little bit of trepidation, but most people really find them very comforting. Um, that's mm -hmm. not true across the board. There are some experiences that people don't find comforting, but most people um, get a, a lot of peace out of these experiences that they have. What were some of the most interesting visitations mm -hmm. that you had found in your dissertation? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think the ones that were most beautiful were the ones in which um, the deceased actually provided comfort for the person, not just by being there, not just by being experienced, but actually talking to them. Um, so there was one experience in which um, a woman's mother had died and the woman had been with her mother on the night that she died and, you know, kind of had a sense that, that medically something was wrong. Um, but her mom said, you know, I just, I just want to rest. I just want to go to bed. Um, and so the daughter didn't call the ambulance um, and the mother did pass away that evening. And so the daughter had a lot of, you know, just not quite guilt, but, but wondering, you know, should I have, you know, should I have called an ambulance? Um, and a few days after her mother actually appeared to her, she saw her um, in the room where she had died and her mother spoke to her and said, thank you for not calling the ambulance. This is what I wanted. I wanted to be at home in my own bed. Um, and so that experience was not only the, the comfort of seeing her mother, but the comfort of having her mother really reassure her that what she did was exactly the right thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. That would be a powerful one. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And her, her mother even came and gave her a hug. Um, so uh -huh. that one, yeah, that was a, a very, very meaningful experience for her. Mm -hmm. Well, well, and you hear when people are dying, you hear them, you hear them talking about how they can see people that have gone on before them mm -hmm. and that they're there to greet them. You hear these stories that are, that are pretty comforting when you hear them. 
Yes. Oh, work, working in hospice, you, you hear and you see a lot of that. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I had a family that shared with me um, their, their father was at home on hospice. Um, and, you know, the family had been gathered around him for several days um, and he had stopped talking, which is not unusual, you know, in the very last days of life. But at one point um, they noticed that he'd just been kind of staring up at the ceiling for a very long time. And then he spoke, he hadn't spoken in a, a several days and he said, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and then he died. And wow. so, so you'll, you'll hear people, um, you know, talk to people who we can't see. You'll hear people, you know, say things that, you know, give us some glimpse of what they're experiencing. And again, it is usually a very comforting experience. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know, you know, that one of the things that bereaved family members, including myself, want to know is, was my brother at peace at the end? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that having these experiences is really reassuring for people because that's really an important piece is if they find out, okay, I feel like they were at peace or that they mm -hmm. didn't suffer, um, that can be really, really healing. I think yes. a lot of these are healing, actually. I think all of them sound like they are, don't you, mom? Mm -hmm. These experiences. Yeah. Absolutely, particularly these stories. I have to say, when my son was killed in an automobile accident um, years ago, he appeared to me, but not in person, but in a dream, but it wasn't a dream. And it's interesting how they communicate, but it's not in thinking. I mean, you just kind of, it's a knowing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I said, Scott, how are you? And he said, I am. Hmm. And that, you know, was kind of the end of the dream. But he appeared to me pitching to himself. He was a baseball player learning mm -hmm. how to move energy. And I guess when they do appear, um, they often appear in ways so that you'll know who they are. Whenever I, whenever I asked, I asked how the person appeared. Um, and they were always recognizable. Um, you know, sometimes they appeared very solid. Sometimes they appeared wispy. Um, but they were always you, the person knew exactly who they were. There was never any ambiguity about that. Most of these experiences are very comforting, um, mm -hmm. but there, there were some negative experiences or there were some experiences that were ambiguous and the person interpreted okay. them um, in a negative way and then needed some, some help. Um, mm -hmm. to make and how do you support people? What did you suggest to the pastors to support people? Or how can I support myself if I've had that negative experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, what the pastors really found was most helpful was first just just listening, you know, being able to listen, practice non-judgment, just hear the person's experience. And then the next thing was to ask questions, um, you know, to learn a little bit more about the experience, to get an idea of, you know, how the person was thinking about this experience and maybe what was informing their interpretation of the experience. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, something that was very helpful was reframing. So basically talking about the experience and saying, okay, so this is, this is what I hear you said happened. This is how I hear you interpreted it. Um, I wonder if it could also maybe mean this, or did you think about it maybe in this way? So suggesting a possibility, an interpretation of the experience that might be a little more positive and also might just give the person um, permission or ability to think about the experience in a different way. I hope that people joining us on the show realize that if you are harboring a negative dream or a negative experience, it would be good to reach out 
to a community, maybe your pastor or a therapist or someone that you know, because these things can be reinterpreted and you can rework them and people can bring extra light or understanding into it because maybe the person is letting you know that you do need to go out and get a little help around it. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, sometimes when we lost people traumatically, my brother died in a very traumatic accident we get caught in the trauma narrative in our heads and then we dream and mm -hmm. it's traumatic and we can maybe see those as visitations. Well, maybe like you said, we need to be with someone that helps us rework these narratives and we tell our story around the dreams in detail and see them in a new and different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, one of the experiences that really stood out to me was there was a woman um, who was estranged from her family um, she was LGBTQ and her family was not accepting of her identity. And when her grandmother died, um, she had a vision of her grandmother. She saw her grandmother um, in her bedroom. And the experience itself, when it was described to me, sounded like a very neutral experience. You know, the grandmother didn't say anything. Um, she just appeared. She didn't really have any particular expression on her face. Um, so other people might have experienced this as a, a comforting or at least a neutral experience. Um, but this woman, because of, you know, the, the ways in which her family had treated her, she interpreted this experience as a very negative one. She felt that her grandmother um, was actually telling her in some way that um, it was not okay for her to, you know, be living in the way that she was. And so the pastor that she was working with, um, again, you know, listened and heard her out, and then did start gently asking some questions about, you know, well, why, why do you think that this experience means that? Um, what's, you know, what's telling you that? Could it also mean this? And so again, by providing that listening, and then that reframing, um, she was mm -hmm. able to help this woman reinterpret this experience until she eventually interpreted this as a, a very positive experience um, in which she got to say, you know, I didn't get to be with my grandmother when she died. I was estranged from my family. So she, she came to visit me. And maybe that means that I am loved, that she loves mm -hmm. me and, the, and that God loves me and accepts me. So, you know, with her pastor's help, she was actually able to interpret this much more positively. That's great. I love that. Well, tell us, you know, how can people get a hold of you or is there some place that uh, you want to give a shout out to? Sure. Well, you're always welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so you're, you're welcome to connect and message me there. I'm always interested to hear about people's experiences. Um, and I'd, I'd, like, I'd like people to know that, you know, it's okay to share these experiences, to talk about them. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really important information because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people do have these visitations and they can be positive or negative, as you said, but in the end, they can be turned into a positive experience. So thank you so much. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, Julie, thank you for doing this show. We don't often do shows like this and they are so important and they bring comfort to so many. And I really liked the way that you talked about the fact that, as you and my mom were saying, if you've had negative experiences, go, please go and get support so that you can change these narratives in your life and live a more hopeful life. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Absolutely. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on the show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. Mm -hmm.
I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.